fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! Tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Hi, 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 what's up everybody? Today's Saturday, October 3rd, 2015. This is episode 166 of the Hotbox. I'm Matt. Got a couple great guests for you today. We have Starlight Monday from Craft Mary Jane joining us. How you doing, Starlight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to have you. Also joining us back again, pretty much a regular part of the show now, Gooey Rubinsky, uh, writing over on Waxy.com. What's going on, Gooey? That sounds like an obligation, and I'm averse to obligations. I know. If you're not careful, podcasts will slowly turn into that. And it's like one of those things. It's kind of like a job, but it doesn't pay anything. It's just like always there like, hey, you want to do another show? Hey, when are you going to do another show? So you've been warned. <laughs> so uh, Craft Mary Jane, what, that is your canna business, and you yeah. you help other like – businesses get their crap together because as you know stoners some of us a little less organized than others perhaps yeah actually you know i started craft mary jane because i stand in the middle between two sort of ends of the spectrum when it comes to cannabis business that is the og entrepreneurs who are from cannabis and know all about it and are moving into the business arena and then there's a lot of professionals coming into the industry who don't really understand cannabis culture and what it is they're actually having an impact on and so because i'm kind of in the middle of those two things i do my best to help both sides of that spectrum have success in the industry while with the really inherent goals of supporting the values that come from cannabis from back in the day, I think those things are important and don't want to see them disappear as the new industry kind of takes off. It is interesting to see there is like a whole set of kind of unspoken moral standards that people that are, and not just cannabis, but you can kind of see the difference between like alcohol and cannabis and the other plant medicines. Like people that are into that stuff, they have kind of a different way about them and it's it's very nice. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. And I really fostered. don't think that, you know, while the stoner mentality of showing up on time and conducting business properly is really important. Uh, there's also an element of my encouraging people who are from the cannabis community to maintain those values and not feel like they need to put on a fake facade in order to be successful because really what makes them unique is what's going to help have them long, have long-term success. That's true. So what's your background? Like what got you started in, in this? When did yeah. you first fall in love with Mary Jane? Uh, shoot. You know what? I started, you know, I grew up in Southern Oregon. Cannabis is kind of part of my family um, on the outskirts. I didn't grow up growing, but it's always been sort of an accepted part of the culture for me. But my career was in software and technology. I've worked on startups. I've built and designed software for basically every platform. And then I spent the last year or so on an innovation think tank basically learning how to vet brilliant ideas, you know, when you say, oh, you know what, we should make this app or we should build that product. I'm the person that can research to determine exactly whether or not it will be successful and exactly who will want it. And when cannabis legalized in Oregon, which is, you know, my home state, I had this realization that I had a skill set that nobody else I knew in the industry had and uh, with a love for the cannabis community. And so I wanted to bring that sort of innovative mindset to the cannabis entrepreneur skill set. 
I like that. I need to have you on speed dial for when me and my friends are hanging out, <laughs> smoking and getting wavy, and we have all these ideas, and you can be like, you guys, that's that's completely stupid. Stop calling yeah. me. Stop calling <laughs> you me know, with the these thing ideas. Is, is most, ideas, most ideas start out a little unrefined. Um, well, it's sure. The, it's a little experimentation that gets you to the really good idea. Usually, <clears throat> original ideas are a great place to start. It's just refining them from there to make sure they're successful. It's the seed, and then you need the follow-through. Uh-huh. You need the, the, the get-it-done person. Right, also. See, I'm just the idea <laughs> guy. I have no get-it-done follow-through. That's where Gooey comes in. <laughs> he actually wrote a book. Like, that's... I don't know what takes more follow-through in life. That's got to be it, writing a book. Oh, really? What book do you write, Gooey? Uh, it's, a, it's a really short one about... It's called Understanding Medical Marijuana, and it's really intended for kind of middle-of-the-road people who... Um, I think have not necessarily decided on marijuana and medical cannabis and and its efficacy and whether it should be legal in their community and their state. And of course, with so many state ballot initiatives coming up, uh, it it would be nice for people like that to to be able to read this book. Well, in most families or, you know, most small businesses or whatever, there's always kind of the, uh, the token cannabis consumer and uh, uh, well, in prohibitionist states, it's very intimidating for that person to come out of the closet, to come out green, uh, whatever hashtag you prefer. Uh, so, but it'd be nice if those people would be the enablers and and share the book because uh, I'm not really sure how we expose the availability of the book to to the target audience because those people are not very self motivated to educate themselves on this topic. They live in their filter bubbles and then they kind of just live and breed in there. What what your book reminds me of it's almost like the God delusion but a shorter and weed related version. It's something you give to your parents that are like super religious if you want them to kind of see your if you are not, you know, uh, see that perspective. It's like the book you give to your, your parents that don't like weed so they can see and understand. It's very well written and presented and, and everything. Oh, thanks, man. Well, they're not going to read a 300, 400-page you know, desk reference. Uh, it's under 70 pages as an ebook. It um, has to be for something like this because it's like bits of facts and everything. And people won't because I got my mom the God Delusion for Christmas one year as kind of a joke. And it is like 400-something pages, and she's never read it, you know. <laughs> so people need small, concise, bite-sized uh, books that they can digest. I think, too, there's an element of people having so much aversion to the concept of marijuana in the first place, just simply out of cultural programming, that the idea that they would even change their perspective at all or decide to be interested in learning more about it is such a huge hurdle for most people to overcome that then there's the secondary problem of not knowing where to go to learn and the social stigma of not having any guidance or anybody to inform them. And if the people in their life, like you said, the token stoners haven't come out yet, then there's no way that that they can make the bridge from I'd like to learn more to I actually know where to go to learn more and can do so yeah that's a it's a lot of negative programming you're trying to undo first you got to make them see that like look that was all propaganda psyops to make you think a certain way and then once you can get them to that point you can get them to understand that okay like the plant is good for you as opposed to the opposite 
sure. a lot of cultural and psychological obstacles to you know getting that education uh, across to a large large segment of society and uh, get, getting them away from from the ignorance and, and the propaganda that American culture has been surviving with as since the Nixon era with the, the war on drugs and prior to that with reefer madness. I think sometimes, too, the quickest uh, shortcut isn't so much trying to undo that cultural uh, programming as it is to meet a need for them. Because if they have a need that cannabis can meet, then you can undo cultural programming by solving a problem for them, right? You're in a lot of pain. You're on a lot of opiates. You see the system of how it's affecting you and how it's having a negative cumulative effect across your life. It's much easier for you to even be willing to talk about weed, not from a weed is good or bad perspective, but from a, hey, did you know that there's something that could help you? Oh, really? Because I'm willing to try anything at this point. And now you have somebody that you don't even have to undo the programming. They're ready to be converted. Yeah. And that's huge because everyone, I mean, not everyone, but most people know someone that has been affected by that something like cancer or any of the other myriad treatments or ailments that cannabis can help you know so they can relate to that and usually those people are like searching on the internet for something you know they're looking for that miracle and there there's a ton of scams online that you know they they are faced with so to have something that they can actually see that works and and that it completely changes their their perspective on it it's like sure, the one thing sure. that'll change someone's mind like that, but you have to let them, you know, do it. That's right. They have to come to it. It's much easier. It's much easier, like I said, to solve somebody's need than it is to try and pull them out of their way of thinking and give them something new. So do you go around to the different cannabis conferences and like the hemp fests and the gatherings and all that kind of stuff? Or where do you like, how do you kind of do your thing? Me personally? Yeah. yeah. Well, you um, and your business. Yeah, so I I kind of have a multi-pronged approach. Um, for Craft Mary Jane, our vision is that the future of cannabis is crafted. Now, a lot of people think that that only means craft cannabis, and they think of the metaphor of craft beer, which I think is a good place to start. But really what I believe is that the people who are involved in the industry right now are going to craft what the future of cannabis looks like based on who we are and what we're doing. <laughs> As a result, I kind of wanted to be a thought leader and educator in that environment. So I do. I am a speaker. I went and spoke at the um, Cannabis World Congress in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, the business expo up there. And it went really well. But really, I'm a consultant on the side helping people. Not on the side. Craft Mary Jane is both being this thought leader and then assisting entrepreneurs one-on-one or in a group environment via like a mastermind I've set up and things like that where the people with the same values can work together and make something amazing happen, but they're also doing it with somebody who can give them guidance and they don't have to reinvent the wheel or figure it all out on them by themselves. And that's really where the consulting aspect of Craft Mary Jane comes in. That's cool. What kinds of, do you focus on anything in particular, like growers or processors, producers, uh, um, retail? You know, I would say, I would say I have my preferences, but really the underlying technology, quote unquote, technology of what it is that I do is this equation that can be applied to any sort of business, right? Validating who your customers are, validating what their problem is, crafting your business and brand message in order to reach them. Like these are things that are ubiquitous no matter who you are. Growers have definitely different struggles than app developers. But right now, my clientele range across the board. I've got an app that I'm helping 
work with somebody on. They have a book that's coming out later this year. There's another product that is a this amazing vaporizer called Green Sticks. This guy um, figured out a way to extract a full plant extract without any chemicals, and he uses a natural, non-GMO uh, version of what is it, typically propylene glycol, right? He doesn't use propylene glycol. He uses a vegetable version of it, so it's not all fucking up in the lungs. The thing is, is he's got a particular issue with his product being very light, unlike concentrates, where it's essentially a shot of tequila in a dab or wax or shatter or something like that, where you take a lot of cannabis and compress it. This guy uses a full plant extract, so it's like the plant itself. It's not condensed which for the older, more casual stoners or the more casual cannabis users or the people who want to stay medicated but not be out of control, it's the perfect market for them. But right now with like, this is some some of the stuff I'm helping him with is where right now in the industry, the stoner culture of like high THC, really crazy high versus the medicinal, you just need enough to feel better, hasn't quite made the cultural shift yet in the way that things are branded and talked about. And so I'm kind of helping him take this patented technology and find other industries and markets for it where people are stu- are like dying for it and he doesn't have to convince each of his customers that his is the product to buy. It's really it's really kind of cool, but like I said my my clients range across the board. That's, I like growers too. That kind of a pet favorite of theirs. That's interesting. You should probably steer him away from VG though. I mean, VG is going to make it separate mm. and it's not going to look very good in He the doesn't cartridge. use a he does he has a patented extraction process that doesn't have an issue with that actually. It's pretty amazing. Huh. What we're actually kind of What are his tests moving, like? Like what are the all the uh terping profiles and everything coming back as it's amazing there's no need to re-add after the fact because it's a full plant extract extract so it's and like so live resin effect is completely like, in just say without what? cryogenics maybe is i'm sorry it, it sounds like live resin except live resin involves cryogenics cryogenically freezing the plant uh within hours of harvest and then yeah. doing a full plant extract Typically, they're, they're using like a closed loop, uh, either CO2 uh, as the solvent or butane as the solvent. But because they're using yeah. laboratory grade, you know, uh, top dollar equipment with trained lab techs, uh, even if they use butane, they're typically able to, uh, you know, get it below anything that would uh, be hazardous to the health. Sure, sure. No, he avoids using butane and CO2. And like I said, it's a process that he tested out over the last few years, realized it was completely novel. And um, it's now patent pending. And so once it's a little more established and the patent's actually grabbed, then we can talk about exactly how he does it. <laughs> That's interesting. I'd, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to talk yeah, about Yeah, you know it. what? It's amazing. When you taste it, it tastes exactly like What's it like called? Like, what's it's, the product called? Green Sticks. But Green what's sticks. the the material that he is producing? Does it have a name? Is it like THC acetate or distillate? He, he's or? been calling it a fluid. Like, no, man. I, you know, okay. it's not it's not the other stuff that's, you know, what's crazy about it is that I haven't seen anything else like it. Like, ever since I got into cannabis, I've been running around going, oh, what's this? Oh, what's right? this? There's oh, so many right? new. <laughs> it's like being in a candy store. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That's right? cool. 
So, and, and there's nothing else like this. And it's, and it's, um, it's very unique. But what he also has is an extraction process that works perfectly with natural remedies and other herbs. And as we all know, the herbal medicinal market is completely different than, say, alcohol or pharma and the way that it's handled by the FDA and everything. And it's, it's a much easier industry to get into. And so he's actually got a line of products that are things that actually the cannabis consumers of his product who use the CBD or the indica or sativa strains, they usually convert over to uh, his other herbal products because they're so effective. He's got this killer relaxation one, um, an aphrodisiac one that is good for men and women, and it just turns your skin to butter. It's amazing. Like He's got this killer set of products. And uh, like I said, right now, his struggle is getting into the cannabis industry in a way where cannabis consumers are asking for his product. But the people going into most stores right now are generally made up of people who don't know what they're getting or what they're going in there for they're just so happy to have a store they can go to and get a good supply that getting a new product in front of them to get them to ask it for it means selling it to them one-to-one and and that's just not that's not an effective way for his way his, his business to expand so you guys you've built basically like an algorithm then that you can kind of tailor to everybody so you're a coder that's cool (laughs) <laughs> I'm a coder in my head. I coded back in the day, but I'm really more of a, um, my, my official title was user experience designer. Like it's my okay. job for years to understand how other people think and what other people want and need and how to give it to them in an easy and, and effective fashion. And it's a gift that outside of technology is, is, uh, unparalleled. It makes things a lot easier. So as a, as a UI developer, are, are you iOS or Android? I just got to um, I have designed software for every platform. What's in your you pocket? Though? What do you What do you use daily? Oh, I'm I'm iOS all the way. Ah, that's that's all right. See, wow. sorry, buddy. We can't I hold know. it against you. The I, user I experience, I can't get over it. The really? Okay. And I'm also not the sort of person that needs so much customization that I'm willing ah, to take on the risk works, of having right? a platform that's not as stable. Oh, ooh, okay. Oh, nerd language. Uptime <laughs> has been two and a half years. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, what kind of stuff are you guys? Do you guys do things like what Leafly is doing, like strain classification, or you are more business focused, right? Um. Well, me personally, I can bring a set of skills to help people do whatever it is they need to do, right? If they're building an app, I can help them assess the user experience. I can help them build a product product plan on what features to launch and when. I can come up with a visual design that's cohesive. I can work with developers around the world in order to get it built. That's just from a technological perspective. But really what my, what my consulting role is, is giving a broader insight and big vision for how entrepreneurs can make valuable decisions now that are validated and in their best interest. That's where the equation comes in of like, you're not just deciding to add a feature to your app because you think it's a good idea. You're doing it because your customers are asking for it, right? Or you're not just developing this new consumable edible product because everybody's making an edible and everybody's got cookies. So you want to make a cookie, right? right? How do you make educated decisions about what your customers want so that you as a business can be fucking magnetic in the future when there's way more competition and there's way more money in the industry. And it's a bit more of a, a dog eat dog environment similar to other industries. 
It sounds like a lot of like data mining and analytics and heuristics and plotting. That's really cool. Yeah. It's cool to see that stuff applied to the cannabis industry. It's amazing. You know, this industry has the smarts and established 10 years of technology that every other industry has had to make their way through and learn. And we don't have to figure it out the hard way. We can just build right on top of it. And as a result, the innovations and growth in all arenas that cannabis affects are having these insane uh, leaps forward from an innovation perspective, simply because we don't have to learn things the hard, long, slow way. Yeah, it's that one common bond. Like, everybody smokes weed. A lot of the Silicon Valley kids smoke weed, and that's where the technology... Like, everyone, they're like, hey, this would be a good idea, and then, boom, weed industry. (laughs) That's really cool. And speaking of, we just saw that uh, Oregon has did their first sales. I was actually watching Russ Belleville was there uh, with Paris on his Periscope, like watching the line of people around this dispensary uh, rec shop in, in Portland. And uh, so exciting. Yeah. It's cool to see. And that's, what's really exciting to me is that look how big it is. And only the, the, the few amount of States that it's in, like wait till it's in all of the States. Like there's, it's such a huge potential there. Sure. And I think Oregon has a particular opportunity being the early adopter, but not the first adopter after Colorado's successes and falterings after Washington's falterings, Oregon is a far more cautious state. But as a result of their cautiousness, they've adopted a regulation plan that's going to really help stabilize their 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 cannabis economy out of the gate. Right. I think it's I thought at first the idea that they would allow the medical dispensaries to dispense recreationally tax-free up until the beginning of the year and then up until the actual retail licenses are released for recreational, right? Because there's going to be separate licenses. At first, I thought that was kind of weird, not from a consumer perspective where I I truly believe everybody should have access to cannabis as if they want it, right? But as a business decision, how unique it is to offer Uh, a segment of the industry, an opportunity to understand this new market of customers before anybody else gets their hands on them, right? Like, and to limit their choice of selection by saying, okay, if you're a recreational consumer in Oregon, you can have all the flowers in the world, but you cannot have extracts, you cannot have edibles. That, That, first of all, avoids the pitfalls that happened early on in Colorado, where that chick with the frickin' edible ate too much and was on the news and, and disparaged Colorado, right? They skipped that whole thing, but they still provide access. But seeing what recreational users are going to come in, learn about, request, as they explore what strains they like and have and now they're the ones in the candy store. I don't know. It's this huge opportunity from a, from a customer insight and data perspective that will have giant impact on all the businesses that continue to open once the retail system starts to kick in. Gooey, you wrote about this over on Waxy. I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Well, I think it's going to be kind of temptingly torture. Uh, temptingly torturous to for a recreational consumer in Oregon to walk into one of these what I think it's like 200 of you know 340 350 dispensaries have uh, been licensed by Oregon to sell to recreational consumers so I would you know I can just see myself walking into one of these places 
and saying, oh, that is some gorgeous live resin or wax or shatter or crumble or whatever concentrate that it is. Uh, even, even just a tincture, you know, a common tincture. Uh, and there's some beautiful edibles and you can't, uh, it's, Unfortunately, the uh, dispensary won't even uh, be allowed to sell that to recreational consumers. So I think uh, Starlight brings up some very valid points um, regarding this kind of embryonic stage of the industry and how Oregon is is playing it safe in in some respects, and that's good. But I feel sorry for the recreational consumers of Oregon and the fact that they can't – uh, dive into to basically concentrates and edibles. That's that's two wonderful things, especially for large segments of the uh, you know the patient community. Now I realize if they're registered patients in Oregon, they've got access legally to all of that. That's you know that's a, that's a very valid point. But it's it's sad that everybody else is missing out on it. Well, and they can just take a quick drive to Washington if they really wanted to, you know. Or, or you know, I've, one of the things that I've kind of noticed about recreational consumers who are not a medical card holder, despite probably the perfect ability to qualify for one, is that they are reluctant to believe that they're not going to get in trouble or their name's not going to be on a list or the cops aren't sitting outside the dispensary waiting to bust them. And what I think this does, it might have the side effect of driving recreational consumers to a level in which they see the social acceptability of purchasing weed. They go in, they have the experience. Wow, that's freaking amazing. There's more stuff, but it's just for medical people, man. You know, now maybe it's not so serious if I get a recommendation and actually support the medical system by being a part of it like i think there might be people who if they are that curious might find their way to becoming part of the medical system in the meantime that's a good observation and and hopefully that would be kind of an ancillary effect of uh, the way oregon is managing things here out of the gate for recreational consumers with I think, that yeah i i think it would be good too because it, it it ameliorates the odds that it turns out to be kind of like washington where the medical system floundered a bit due to the recreational prices and being far more affordable and 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 the medical system wasn't really supported or nurtured during the recreational phase and and this might have the opposite effect in Oregon I think or hopefully right well and now going away i mean is Oregon planning on keeping both or are they going to absorb into one like Washington did or is doing um, from what I understand, Oregonians are very attached to their medical system, and part of the regulations all along has been to ensure that what happened in Washington does not happen in Oregon. Nice. Maybe Washington can look at that and be like, well, maybe we can actually have two if a market will support two, then why not? Yeah, Gooey, you know what? I'd be interested to know what you or ask what you think about how you think medical and recreational will shake out across the nation over the next five years. Like, do you really think that it will continue to be separate? Or at some point, are we all going to go, uh, it's a flower, a flower, a flower? Everybody get priced the same. Everybody have equal access. Maybe we don't need recreational and medicinal anymore. Maybe we just need it's okay because it's cannabis. Yeah. Yeah, like coffee. Just put it in the stores. We're all addicted to coffee. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or you know, or green tea, or you know, herbal supplements, or you know, there's there's so many things that are are good um, good examples that cannabis could be. And right now, like I said, I think we're fighting against a lot of social stigma and programming. I mean, 
listen, when I first started doing this business, there was a point where I kind of gotten in my head about it and was like, seriously, you're going to start a business about weed, Starlight? (laughs) Like, weed is bad. Everybody tell, weed is bad. I don't believe that. Like, it wasn't me who was saying, but it was this voice that had been stuck in the back of my head for so many years about it. And and a lot of people are going to be dealing with that for a while, but half a generation from now, it's going to be radically different because all of this weird puberty growth into something realistic <laughs> will be overcome and our acne will be gone and will be a full-fledged industry that isn't treated any differently than anybody else. They, they're, going to, they're going to laugh at us so much in those <laughs> generations. They're going to be like, you guys seriously did what? <laughs> You put people in jail at me, man. for weed? Seriously? <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be some of the leaders. That's right. All, <laughs> all on the porch. <laughs> how? How did he get rich? Oh my god. <laughs> no, it was how did we lead the revolution, man? Some of the pushback is sad though, but I won't go down I'm trying to look at the glass half full today. It's a rainy day in this prohibitionist state. Damn it. Yeah, the, pr- the pushback in Oregon specifically or just kind of across the board? Yeah, just across the board, you know, especially yeah. at the federal level, obviously, with just, uh, you know, this summer shooting down research that would have been erected by the DEA and conducted by the NIH. It's like, look, you own both of these parties, Congress. And they still shot down uh, cannabis research. And it also would have had a focus on uh, non-psychoactive CBD for things like uh, PTSD. Oh, okay, fine. So you can send them overseas to get their, their limbs blown off in you know, uh, an arguable uh, military conflict. But you won't allow them to even consume something as benign as a CBD low THC oil in order to treat something like PTSD that's leading to, you know, dozens of military suicides per day. Holy shit. I know. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, I think about, um, to help you with your glass half full, I'm usually reluctant to um, compare the cannabis movement to the LGBTQ movement, right? Because there's an element of respect that I think that movement has that's, that's a different story than cannabis, but there are some really key lessons in there. And even from a political perspective, people who years ago were saying, no way in hell am I going to ever vote for gay marriage to be okay. And now it's legal across the nation, right? Like there have always been politicians, naysayers, assholes who try and shut something down out of pure ignorance. But the movement that makes it okay, the way that you get there is by being willing to come out about it, by being willing to have frank conversations with people where you answer their questions and help support them through, oh, this is a completely new way of thinking for me. And and, and spread what is amazing about cannabis while there, so that there's like a secondary voice of dissent aside from the one that, that they're just used to hearing in the back of their head. Like we, it's the hardest part for those of us who are part of this is to be willing to come out and endure what it will take to kind of be snubbed or judged or looked at by in a certain way by the people that we know with the goal in mind of, turning it into something that's not a big deal anymore. 
it starts it starts slow like a lot of us a lot of people i know like we've just not taken jobs at places over things like having drug tests and like little things like that that may not seem like a big deal at the time but it all adds up and it's kind of like the slow kind of march towards what we're all trying to work for that's like think regardless of uh your particular age I, i know i recently over the summer uh, came out to my teenage children, and they're like perfectly millennial at 14 and 16 years of age. And they, quite frankly, were like, what? So you're, you're telling us this why? What's what's the big deal? Just, <laughs> so you stop taking just, my they're, weed? <laughs> they're like, really? People are all freaked out about weed? And then my 16-year-old daughter says, uh, she goes, well, the whole world is so goddamn screwed up as it is she goes no wonder people are freaking out about a, an herb you can grow in your backyard and that helps some little lady with glaucoma she is in tune <laughs> does well, that, does that make you feel like a good parent Gary? i don't know it uh, should that, yeah it's that's that's a good, good parent, a prohibitionist state because if you come out when they're too young or you're too open about it uh their friends will find out about it and their friends might uh, very, very easily be from evangelical, conservative, Republican households where uh, they, they'd they like to involve, uh, you know, child protective services and, and the local police and issues like that. So you do. I don't I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, flippant about the issue uh, mm-hmm. when it's illegal and in prohibitionist states. It's a lot different than coming out someplace like California or Oregon or. That's know, true. That's definitely true. There's definitely a level of uh, privilege that a lot of us on the West Coast and in Colorado get to have as a result of the culture that people in Alabama and mothers in West Virginia do not have, right? You know, the only bastion in in the eastern or mid-Atlantic area is basically Burlington, Vermont. You know, Burlington, Vermont, Denver, and the West Coast. Everybody else is screwed in this country for, you know, to a large extent. It's almost Ohio. like you, oh. <laughs> <laughs> New York. They've got Scott's they've got some interesting out. things happening in the cannabis industry. Uh, Maine, aren't they getting on the bandwagon? Michigan, Michigan's ha- making it happen. Maine's had medical for a long time. Maine, mm. they, and they they were one of their early kind of test beds for what works and what doesn't work. A lot of conservative Mm -hmm. people in Maine, a lot of very progressive people in Maine. It's just kind of, it's like Colorado in many respects with, you know, it's not, you know, nobody should assume that it's just like, you know, all of Colorado is liberal. It's like, no, no, no. It's a very, it's a very challenged culture everywhere, really. Uh, Gosh, even, even in uh, conservative areas of California. Well, and it's small steps like what, what happened in Massachusetts about not being able to get, you know, stop just for the just for the smell of weed or or whatever. Permitting police to stop a vehicle based on responsible suspicion that an occupant possesses marijuana. <laughs> Arizona did the same thing over the summer. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. So it's small pushes like that that will then hopefully give way to the larger, you know, either medical initiatives happening or just recreational in states that don't have either. One of the things I deeply admire about the way Oregon is going about this is the expungement of possession, nonviolent drug offenses that were associated with cannabis and expunging people's records and seriously undoing the damage of the people whose lives have been ruined from, a, from just from a prison perspective. Yeah, that's totally huge. 
I don't know if I'm not sure. Do you know if Colorado is doing that? I don't know if they are. Like Oregon's the first people I've I've really read anything about that. It's proposed in Colorado, it's been it's pro- been proposed in a lot of both legal and prohibitionist states, and you know, gone through with a, a variety of levels of success. I, I mean, for example, some conservative states like Ohio, for example, uh, went decrim. Gosh, like twelve or fifteen or some crazy number of years ago, um, but otherwise we're you know still Nazis when when it came to the kind herb. We call that decrim on the down low. Right, <laughs> we're gonna uh, we're gonna decriminalize it, but shh, don't tell anyone. It's don't crazy, don't, ask, don't tell. We don't care if you're gay in the military or a cannabis consumer. <laughs> That's smoke, right. Smoke it. Shut the hell up. That's right. It is still funny to me, and I don't really follow politics at all because I just, it's awful. It gives me a headache. But to see, like, because we have the internet now, it's kind of like the public shaming booth of, of the world. So when, when people come out and say stupid crap, and people are like, hold up, did you seriously just say that? And they're like, rewind the tape. Yep, you just said that. And then it's a GIF, and it's on Facebook, and it's, it's <laughs> so amazing. And- Oliver are talking about it, uh, you know, showing screen captures of your tweets. Yeah, it's amazing that we have the technology to allow people like that, a voice that big that, you know, when when people like Carly Fiorina and and this other uh, person, Stephen Harper, uh, when they say dumb shit like that, then people get to put them on blast and say, listen, you're losing votes. (laughs) Because you're an idiot. Uh, people aren't saying that to Donald Trump, and he's saying dumb shit. That's because he's talking to the right set of population. That's like, uh-huh, feed us your, your what's what's that called? An idiocracy. The shit for the planets. <laughs> feed us your electrolytes. Tell us more, you and you, 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 you smart, wealthy man from a better state than Alabama. It's soda sopa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think um, people have said, you know, we like him because he's saying how it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say that I agree with how he thinks it is all the time, but he is particularly right in that he has the perspective that money gets you all the right connections. I can make anything happen because I'm well connected. Those things people hear and go, oh, man, he's being really honest about the government or whatever. But what I see <laughs> is like if you look at the old school model of, of ruling, there's the king and there's the jester. And the king doesn't stand up saying how things are. He's the one saying that's where we need to be. So we're going this way, right? He's the vision holder and he's the motivator to get people there. And he's driving towards a vision, whether that's self-serving or not, right? But the jester is the one that goes, oh, the king has a big nose. Like, (laughs) dude, just because you're saying how things are does not make you presidential material, right? And just because you're touting how they are, now suddenly your words are having repercussions on a broader level in the United States that's fucking offensive as far as I'm concerned. That you can say how things are, but you're spreading that poison and you're not actually moving anybody anywhere because none of us like where we're at. We don't want more of it. Yet things are the way they are because it's all been one giant misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> misunderstanding. Yeah. No, that yeah, that guy is like a one-way ticket to idiocracy. Absolutely. I don't know if I want to see him be the Republican nominee so we can slap him down for once and for all, or if I really need him to die out and fade away as soon as possible because I am tired of his face. 
tired of it. Would he keep the TV show? Like, yeah, does he still have, like, would he still be able to fire people and make them do, like, stupid human tricks for jobs and shit? Or would that kind of... Yeah, probably... it would just be upgraded to the Oval Office. Right? <laughs> Who it, wants to be my assistant? Of, you're fired. You're fucking fired. Phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. Like, just firing countries. You're nuked. <laughs> yeah, Iran, you're fired. <laughs> Having a bad day today. <laughs> Oh, cool. Did you guys see uh, Snoop Dogg was at, uh, what was it, Tech one of the TechCrunch uh, shows. It's pr- actually, mm-hmm. if you ever watched that that show, Silicon Valley, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yes, but yes, they, I love Silicon Valley. That's kind of what they were mocking in that show was the TechCrunch mm-hmm. disrupt. So anyway, he was at that thing. And uh, he's got an idea pretty much for a startup because that's what you do nowadays. Dr. Dre got Apple and Beats and Snoop's like, well, shit. Uh, I have Mary Jane, and it is going to be a marijuana lifestyle site that will be the encyclopedia to the cannabis world. If you were uh, giving Snoop advice on his business, on his <laughs> his weed social network here, Mary Jane, what? How would you advise him on that? Like, do you do you think we need another social network or? It's like WikiLeaks, which is I like... Think, I think the way he describes his business sounds conflicting to me. Um, a cannabis lifestyle website, social network, does not uh, butterfly in very well with a encyclopedia reference, right? In my head, those are not... What if... Long now, together. hold on. This might be a stretch, but what if he meant that it is actually going to be an encyclopedia of marijuana lifestyle users, and it's actually funded by the DEA uh, and Facebook? <laughs> what? I think that that's making quite a leap of an assumption. It is. It is. <laughs> I, uh, it's funny because, you know, I'm, it's, it's funny because another client of mine got really upset when, um, the announcement came that Snoop was launching Mary Jane because they are working on something they consider the encyclopedia of cannabis and there's a reference book that they're planning to publish and they've got editors lined up and writing it and it's all in process right now. And when they, when he launched, they did what many people in this industry are doing, which is going, oh, fuck, somebody took my idea and they're running with it. And they got way more money and resources than me. But That's true. The thing they needed to remember and reel back from was who are Snoop Dogg's customers? Who is Mary Jane the lifestyle website for? And who are yours, right? Mm. And they realized that, like, no, you're speaking to two entirely different people. I think for Snoop, you know, I, I would, I would, uh, I would say he didn't come up with the idea for Mary Jane. He is an investor behind he's the front Mary Jane man, right? And several he's, other right and totally several other front. startups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely making a name for himself in the cannabis industry as his as he always has. This is just the new wave of what being in cannabis actually looks like. It started out in hip hop and then it became several other things, and now here we are at the front edge of where cannabis is getting to bring itself into legitimacy. <laughs> He's he's totally got his hands in some exciting things, and uh, but I also think that there's a lot happening where launching everything that you can think of 
for weed that already exists. Like the <laughs> Facebook a weed, the Instagram a weed, the Pinterest a weed. Like right, fuck, right. we get it a weed. Yeah, I think it, it's hobbling some people's perspective on what's possible for this industry and what what the people in this industry actually want and need. Right? Sometimes what we go, oh, the Facebook a weed. Well, it turns out the Facebook a weed is a bunch of pictures of other people smoking weed, and it doesn't do anything for me. And as much as I love smoking weed. I'm certainly not on it as much as I'm on Facebook, right? So is it good to just imitate or is it better to come up with something unique? Now, out of all the things that he's been working on, Mary, one thing I can say about Snoop Dogg is he's got the names on point. Mary Jane, Meadow, is he with Ease as well? Like all of those are freaking kick-ass brand and uh, and, and, the and vapes, names. The like, vape pens he was doing, the G Dog yeah. vape pens, and yes, yeah. like he's he's got a really somebody is really helping guide him and make good choices in the companies that he's investing in and the ideas he's getting behind. That being said, right now, even though we look at Leafly and Weed Maps and you know High There and all the permutations of cannabis apps that are popping up, Strain the most important and- thing to remember is that we're at the starting line. Like these are just the people who had something and are making it happen. There are people with different or the applications with different qualities as to why I think Leafly is amazing versus why I think. I don't think Weed Maps is that amazing. But there are a lot of people who are just trying to do the same thing over and over again or yeah. be the first, quote unquote, semi-legal way to order weed through your phone. Like there's that is all a pressing need or invention that focuses on right right now at this point in time in the industry, which I think is short sighted. And I think as recreational continues to evolve, especially when California truly gets into the game, what people actually want on their phone when it comes to cannabis, what they want in technology and what they want to learn about is still very unexplored. And for the most part, I think a lot of companies are missing the mark. You know what they need is uh, an app that gives them information about who and when to vote and then also notifies them every day... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like as a reminder <laughs> right, right. when Zap. to do that and yeah i think like that would be a good start because then <laughs> that would you know eliminate a lot of the issues that some of us are having sure sure so, i think I, another like here's just a freebie idea but you know how the state of oregon has counties and cities allowing them to opt out of participating in having recreational businesses within the confines of their county um, it's creating this funny puzzle map and will continue to do so across the nation as various states kind of work out their regulations. <laughs> that map alone could be put together from a data perspective and a legal perspective where you have a law team and some data nerds and some geoscience in there to help figure out a way for proper and safe transport of of goods for people who are cannabis consumers and want to make sure that they're not going to run. And like, if I cross into a county line where the rules change for me and my possession or whatever, that my phone alerts me and goes, by the way, in 20 miles, you're going to be in a different part of the country. Yeah. You might want to hide your stash or whatever. Right. I like Like, that. That's something a little like, that's just out of, 
that's that's, that's just a thing that's that people need but will continue to need as the patchwork of how legalization happens but then from a b2b perspective you can imagine selling that data on where do you want to start other branches of your company where would you like to okay you opened in colorado now you want to open one in oregon where would be in your best interest to do so based on the geo and data and customer purchasing and I feel like I played I'm this game. The fuck out over here. I think I played this game on my Texas Instruments 82 <laughs> back in junior high, and it was called Dope Wars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just described the the premise to the game Dope Wars, which is awesome. It's basically Lemonade Stand, but you know, with dope and and stuff. But yeah, that that's really cool stuff. And I mean, everyone's carrying around this technology that is basically a tracker sensor. You know, it's it's all of that spy stuff you used to read about when you were a kid that. It's possible. Like you have the APIs, you can you have the language, you can do that sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I like it's, it. Uh, there's so much opportunity, man, in this industry, and and it's tricky because we have to tread sl- softly with all the changes, and we have to be aware of all the people and parties and their feelings involved, and and yet we still have to press forward with optimism, mm-hmm. and and you know it's this it's this very delicate balance of getting to where we want to be, but I really feel like the momentum is in our favor. So are you on any weed social networks like Canisauce or <laughs> Leafly? Do you review weed on Leafly? You know, or okay, this, this or... is my user experience yeah. uh, vent right now. Yeah. Hi me. there. Freaking cool, man. I've had people say to me, man, for a, from a recreational perspective, if it was totally okay with me, I would love to like open up an app and see in my neighborhood who my 420 friendly neighbors are and be like, yo, want to come over and smoke a joint, right? So when I heard about Hi There, I was like, fuck yeah, this is it. Except for that I opened up Hi There and from a user experience point, I wasn't allowed to explore at all. I was forced to make a decision sit on couch walk outside or of like what are you doing right now like i don't fucking know man what happens if i click one of those <laughs> and then so i just i just i was like uh i don't know walk outside i guess like i don't i don't know what this icon it was is. like choose and your I, own adventure like right? rpg 420 no all i know is as soon as i selected something i started getting inundated with requests ping 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 yeah they're like you're a chick you want to smoke hell yeah (laughs) that's so funny too many people know i smoke weed now i gotta go guys (laughs) that's so crazy it's like the google buzz syndrome waiting for them to update it i let me see if i still have it here i can show you like how many updates it has or how many like alerts i've ignored because i just can't freaking take it No, man. Yeah, like, here we go. Starlight, what are you in the mood for, right? Couch? (coughs) Popcorn or cloudy thing? I don't fucking know, man. I would like to cloudy thing and then popcorn, please. Oh, it's like one of those now i got everybody and their brother being like holla and i don't know why because i don't understand because it sends a beacon yo it's like hey i'm right here for somebody who wants to we just get on smoke. and first explore it and feel comfortable and go, oh, what yeah. is this? Am I happy to be like it? I and, and I just can't. Oh hey, God, did can't. you ever play Ingress at all? Did you get into that? Uh, I've heard of it. No. My, okay. It, that's, it kind of reminded me of that where it like actually makes yeah. you get outside with mm, your phone mm, mm. in a way. Just the adventure, you know, you got to pick one and move forward. 
That's funny. Yeah, Gooey. Sorry, I couldn't I could nerd out on software all day. Gooey, what's your favorite weed social network? <laughs> I, I kind of want to check out Massroots, but but I'm not uh, I'm I'm not using it currently. But I you know there's quite a bit of hype, uh, and I actually know some people in Denver who were uh, involved with it at least you know kind of from the backing perspective. But uh, you know it seems to kind of have its act together. But I certainly haven't analyzed it at at a level like Starlight approaches this kind of stuff. So so this is kind of me rambling about. Oh, I think Massroots has a cool logo. And celebrities, <laughs> they do have a cool logo. They do. Oh, they do. And so, and I wish businesses like that luck. I think you bring up an excellent point about how just yeah, kind of giving a cannabis related theme to existing business models. <laughs> Sometimes works and is logical, but a lot of times does not. So there's probably some crazy business plans out there, people trying to cash in on the green rush, thinking that, you know, oh, making a cannabis-themed XYZ is just going to, you know, uh, give them a billion-dollar IPO in a few years. And that's not necessarily the case, as you uh, (coughs) deftly pointed out. You know what? I will also give you uh, an idea. I would like to personally see uh, the Amazon of weed and weed-related things that I can go on there, and maybe I have Amazon Weed Prime, where it gives me, like, free weed with every order or something. I'd like to have an app. I'd like to have maybe a music section that is, like, weed-related music. Uh, I would like to have maybe even uh, an Amazon Weed Prime video streaming section that is all weed movies, you know, that I can check out. I I have an Amazon uh, Weed Prime pantry where it just sends me munchies all the fucking time. Like it detects that you are Matthew. I heard your bong. Would you like me to order? <laughs> you know, like that kind of shit. So there's my contribution uh, to the ether of weed-related <laughs> themed businesses. I also gotta say, just from a from a UI, and I'll you know, I I am an, uh, an Android fan. I I like the the UI of that. So take take from this what you will. Um, but I do appreciate what Canasauce has done. C A N N A S O S. Um, as far as like the way they let you review strains and, and classify them, it's, you know how like, like on Leafly, if you do it, and maybe it's just me because I review a lot of weed, but it's, it, it gives you all of the options. It's just like, blah, here are all of the options. Please select. Uh, what Canasauce does is it, it puts it in like a circular kind of pretty, uh, visual to where you have mm-hmm. categories and hierarchies. So you start off with two choices, and from there you get four choices, and then from there you pick the different categories of the smells and flavors, and it opens up rather than uh, showing them all all at once. But that's just one, and I'm not even on it that frequent. Like I get an email every now and then when someone starts like sending friend requests, and so I'll go check it and post something and and read a couple things. But it is cool. The ranking system for like uh i guess how you view the feed is kind of like reddit it's just like an up and a down Mm. vote uh type of system so you can kind of see it's like if reddit and diaspora and google plus and a little bit of facebook and probably (laughs) some some bootjack tumblr uh back end got in there and just like had an orgy like it would vomit out can of sauce Uh, but I don't know. It's it's just one I've been messing around with uh, while we were talking about it. Uh, all right. So. I love it. You know, the thing that um, most people don't realize that's also happening in tangent with these um, with, in tandem with these apps 
is the insane amount of data collection that's being happened, that's being built on the backside, which will be used by people like Leafly if they have their wits about them in any form or fashion. <laughs> the, the people who are looking up strains, rating them, reviewing them, are, are basically creating what the future of cannabis looks like based on the data that they're delivering to these platforms. Oh, and it is, totally. Is, because it's such a level playing field right now, there's a lot of apps out there trying to all collect the same data, which there's why there's so many apps doing the same thing is because when they look at it, they go, the one thing that's unclear about cannabis is what strain does what, right? And not only are they uh, learning it by partnering up with Steep Hill Labs, for example, in the case of Leafly, but they are also learning about it from the consumers themselves by simply providing them a tool by which they mm -hmm. can keep track of what weed they've smoked. It's insane. Like there's a whole other level of things that are going to come as a result of that in the next five years. Okay. I, I will also, I will give you one more idea. I would like to see uh, on, an email but I, I would like to see an email that has a T in it that pipes off some of that vapor to a column that is like a GCMS column that will then yeah. analyze what you are smoking, feeds it to, you know, your little like mm. uh, 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 Arduino or whatever, and then sends it to a cloud database, which then keeps track of all of the residual solvents, dabs, how many dabs you've ever taken, you know, all of the yes. analytics that could go along with that. And then, you know, puts it in a nice, easy to read uh, thing. So there, there's another you idea. I have touched on something that would be astounding in the pharmaceutical industry as well for medical research. Because right? if that was something that was built, well, that would be astounding test for testing. Oh, for sure. I just thought of like the email because it's already vaporizing it for you. So all sure. you have to really do is pipe it into a call. I mean, I yeah. would say like all well, you have to do, like it's super easy. Otherwise I would have done it, but. Yeah. So if somebody does it, hey, just send me one and I'll I'll take a look and tell you if you do it right. <laughs> I'll write a review on my website. That's right. You'll be surprised how many times that works. I've gotten so much free oh, shit yeah. that way. But then you actually have to do right about it. So I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Gooey, what have you uh written lately? I always enjoy your work here. Man, I did a really you call them long form articles. Well, I did a I did a long one today about tinctures, and I didn't plan it that way. You know, it was a rainy day, and again, in a prohibitionist state, and so I, uh, yeah, I did this. Damn really it! What state are you in? Tinctures. I don't. I don't want to talk about. He's it. in the state oh, of disbelief right. oh, okay, okay. No, at right. how awful the laws are in the state right. that he is in. Oh, sorry, my bad. I'm. I you were be saying in Denver sometime within the next six to twelve months. Nice. I think I'm going to stop in Austin for a while. Yeah, it sounds like a cool spot. I'm supposed to go out there and visit for a conference here coming up soon. Austin rocks. It's a it's a great place. Their weed is too expensive on their black market, but they got some top quality stuff. You just pay too damn much for it. Tell me about this tincture article you were writing. I come from herbalism, so I'm super into what people think about tinctures. I just kind of really got uh, crazy with the details and talking about the history and you know, it's really the the old, you know, we're talking about businesses and cannabis and the Green Rush. And, you know, in 1845, there were pharmaceutical companies producing cannabis tinctures uh, produced with a variety of techniques, typically, especially back then, just, uh, you know, soaking uh, buds or, or in modern day trim uh, in alcohol to extract, extract the cannabinoids and the terpenes. 
so this is not new tech whatsoever. And it's uh, so I enjoy talking about the history and saying, hey, you know, if you were some little kid, whether you're in the city or out in the country or whatever, your medicine cabinet had a cannabis sativa uh, tincture that uh, if you got a headache, if you got menstrual cramps, if you scraped your knee, whatever, adults, children, everybody in between uh, just uh, squirted some of this uh, under their tongue and, and they were good to go. Yeah, there's, there's a huge history in plant medicine using tinctures. It's one of the herbalist's favorite uh, methods. It's great stuff and you can do it on small scale, large scale. You know, I like the fact that people can be self-sufficient, especially if they have their own garden uh, where legal, uh, my attorney tells me to say, uh, but, uh, and they can create tinctures. You can do it on a you know very one-off uh, batch level, uh, or or you you can do it on a more massive scale. Then obviously there are ways to bring in laboratory equipment and these closed loop uh, you know extraction process processes involving uh, uh, CO two, which I think is is pretty cool, high pressure CO two. But you can also do it with uh, solvents like butane even though then you want to make sure you've really got some lab techs who are well-trained and some good equipment and all the million-dollar setup and infrastructure so they can uh, you know, get, get all that butane out of the final product. And then professional operations that put it through uh, laboratory testing. You mentioned Steep Hill. I think laboratory testing is one of the best things to happen in legal states because it's a level of purity and quality and, and an assurance that there aren't contaminants and, and threats to my health, uh, especially the health of very sick patients. Uh, and, uh, you know, we do it in the agriculture industry uh, and, and the hospitality industry, uh, it's, you know, routinely for decades. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful that we're finally getting that for cannabis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm I'm a huge fan of of both CO2 and and BHO and and other solventless stuff. But uh, we were having a discussion the other day about how uh, CO2 is like it's pretty toxic when it remains in your system. Like you know, you you exhale it and all that, but uh, if if you get it in your system, it kind of builds up and and can become toxic. Uh, and you know, butane, same same thing. It, it also uh, will build up, but it doesn't have like this weird neurotoxicity that comes along with the the CO two buildup. So uh, it's just something to think about uh, when when people are having those discussions that like, oh, one is uh, more safe than the other. And I mean, obviously, zero ppm's are what what you should always strive for. Uh, but um, if you can't, that that is something to consider. That you know, just because it's CO two, which is oh, it's natural, it's 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 everywhere. Like it, it does have some side effects to it. You know, it can be toxic. So maybe I should just stick to Keef. Good I'm old- just gonna keep smoking regular weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you make a really good point as well. In the same idea that extracts at this point and concentrates are fairly new and all the things that we've sort of created in the last five years in regards to cannabis technology hasn't been around long enough for us to see the actual physical repercussions of what that looks like. And while we're just getting started and understanding that we even have an endocannabinoid system, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out whether or not these things are safe when it's still too early and, and they should really be approached with caution simply because they are new and there hasn't been a whole lot of physical history established, even on what we consider the safer end of the spectrum. 
Well, that and then when you when you start talking into like what kind of material is going into the process, like are you getting rid of yeah. pesticides or are you just concentrating them down because you're concentrating the material that they're in? Like there's a whole there's a whole thing that needs to be considered and tested and That's researched funny. and all of that. But yeah, yeah it's it's cool it. stuff. It's good times. And the quicker more states uh, will, you know, pull their legislative heads out of their behinds, uh, the quicker <laughs> we can get on with all of this. Well, and I think that speaks back to what Gui mentioned earlier on in this episode was the how the crushing of cannabis research has repercussions across the board. It's not yeah, just definitely. pro research. It's just understanding what's actually even out there and what's happening because it's verboten. So we pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, it's been a great discussion. Where can people find all your stuff online? Man, I am craftmaryjane.com and craftmaryjane everything, uh, most social media. That's how you can find me. If you want to get in touch, you can uh, reach me at hello at craftmaryjane.com. I also suggest signing up for my email newsletter on my website. That's usually where I talk about whatever is cool and happening first, and then I spread it to everybody else. Nice. And see your videos on YouTube. Get some of that uh, goldfish, blackfish stuff going on. Oh uh, yeah. So the goldfish blackfish is this, um, it's kind of a metaphor that I want, that I'm using to describe the cannabis industry right now. If you think about goldfish, they live in an artificial environment, which is kind of where most entrepreneurs are in the industry, because what cannabis is as an industry right now is artificial. It won't stay this way and it will change. Right. And I'm, I'm equating that to being a goldfish and waking up in the ocean, swimming with sharks, right? As, as rules change around them and as more people get into the game, suddenly these sweet little fishies are in the sea competing with much larger fish. And a lot of cannabis entrepreneurs are threatened by that perspective because they feel like they have to choose between being eaten or being a shark, which might not resonate with how they want to do business. And I encourage them to think about an alternative being the blackfish or killer whales or orcas right? Because they swim in a community, they have a pod, they share learnings, they work together, they have this beautiful ballet when they feed so that everybody is gets enough. There's no like feeding frenzy the way that it is with sharks. And it's a really nice metaphor to remember that community and what brings people in cannabis together in the first place is community. And it's always been a part of cannabis, that there are entrepreneurs who should Consider the alternative that all of us working together towards a common good to know who we are, to work together, to share and not be afraid that by giving you are being taken advantage of, that we can create a business environment where we're apex predators, but we are also unafraid of sharks and and surrounded by people who all uh, support our values. Anyways, that's a long way of saying that I started this this program for cannabis entrepreneurs to work together, right? Um, one of them is the Blackfish Mastermind. It's where five or six entrepreneurs all get together on a regular basis to help each other work through problems that they're having. And then they get one-on-one -on -one consultations with me as well to help them have a lot of momentum in their business. And then there is a, a, an academy that we're launching in January, which is for your more new growing entrepreneurs who really want to be surrounded by people who can help them and give them advice. And that's more of a larger group um, where we have like themed webinars and we talk about like what social media is most important in cannabis. How do you understand who your customers are and give them what they need? 
it's all it's all stuff that's coming from craft mary jane thanks so much gooey for the for the note about that oh you bet it's it's really good stuff i I learn a lot i'm i'm checking it out i read your blog all the time and your newsletter and you know i i, I don't even know all the ways in which you package it on social media i just know <laughs> Thanks, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, If people wanted to, you know, the goldfish blackfish thing, we're re-recording for an email series so that people can get more in-depth information on the five, what I consider like the five must have blackfish status qualities. And I'm kind of going to do like a free coaching session with my email news list to walk through what those things are and kind of help them make momentum forward. So if you didn't see it, because the YouTube videos are private and just for the people who I like to get to see them, you can ask me to see them or you can join my email newsletter. And I will be releasing that in the next couple of weeks where there's a more properly recorded, more in-depth one-on-one feeling type video series. Excellent. You know what? I want to I want to see you guys put together something and then go and pitch it on Shark Tank, like weed related. Yeah, you know what? Um, uh, and just so did you know that Shark them. Tank they they take three percent of your company of just course. to be on the show? Oh yeah, for I, sure. I, I, I'm it's a huge scam. Shark Tank because it is literally what they say it is. What I kind of want to do actually is uh, start my own incubator for cannabis entrepreneurs and not be the Shark Tank, but be the fucking Blackfish Pod that uh, helps train other other entrepreneurs and yet gives them funding in a way that doesn't feel like. Doesn't like feel like they're stealing? giving up or taking such a big risk. What did yeah. you say? Oh, I said that doesn't feel like you're stealing from them. Like, yeah, like shark, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know it's so exciting as an entrepreneur to think that your idea is so great that somebody will give you money to make your dreams come true, and and usually. You you. It's easy to forget that both people involved have themselves. Uh, at, at the heart of their motives, right? And and in cannabis, that's particularly unique because there's this sort of third motive of communal good, changing the, the way that business has been pre- previously, changing how people perceive cannabis. Like there's a lot about cannabis that's happening beyond your regular business relationship. And uh, it, it can be a little frightening. And, and frankly, I'm a huge fan of bootstrapping and growth hacking and all of the modern startup techniques that, that make entrepreneurs successful without actually having to take a lot of money from other people or give up control of their company. That's cool. Do you guys use ThinkUp at all? Are you familiar with ThinkUp? Uh-uh, let's think up. Okay, it, it's just something. Uh, it was uh, somebody on a tech podcast I listened to. She helped create it, and it's like a thing that goes through all your social network stuff and gives you like helpful stats and and all that. It oh, aggregates cool, it all yeah. for you. Um, yeah. It's like open source, like and you can host it yourself, or you can pay them, and like they'll just let you like log into the website and do it that way. But yeah, That's it cool. just kind of sounded like something you would uh, be into. It's all tracking I'll check it stats. Out. I'll check it out. Think up uh, yeah, I think so. Just think up. You'll, uh, it's online. You'll find it. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Gooey, it's been a pleasure. And you bet, you bet. I always, always enjoy it, especially when you got these uber young, energetic, driven, <laughs> intelligent, and and sometimes even other things. Oh, uh, you're making me blush. <laughs> I know. Wow, Matt, you're really, you're really bringing it in. <laughs> it's tough. I'll tell you. Uh, Gooey, it was so great to get to talk to you, and you know it's been cool chatting a little bit with you on social media. But it, this is fun, and I really appreciate the invite. And Matt, it was such an honor to be here, and thanks for letting me talk about all the things that I do. That was really great. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to get you back, and we'll do some updates and and all that. Hell yeah, man! That sounds wonderful. 
Cool. Well, GUI's over at Waxy, so check that stuff out. Uh, I got my Phoenician Grind review up over on StuffStunnersLike.com, and then there's a couple more weed reviews with full terpene profiles if you're interested uh, from our friends at the Workshop Analytical Lab. So we got the Snow Monster, the LSD, and the Pineapple Express, uh, all with terpene profiles, cannabinoid profiles, and uh, cool pictures I took with macro camera stuff. So check it out on StuffStunnersLike.com. And I also want to mention before we get out of here, I was dabbing with some kids the other day, and I've never seen this before, and so I started doing it just to see. Uh, and so we were taking dabs, and they were using a quartz uh, nail, and one of them pulled out their phone and started hitting a timer. And I was like, what the fuck are you nerds doing? <laughs> and they're like, oh, 30 seconds, bro. You got to know when 30 seconds is up, because that's when it's perfect temperature uh, to take the dab on the nail once it is red hot. So I, I have a quartz castle that I, I reviewed a while back, and uh, I started testing this out. And actually, for my particular dab rig, it's 35 seconds. <laughs> But it gives you like, and you can't just sit there and count in your head because you'll you'll hit it too soon. You have to make your phone like it's a whole thing now. And I'll get my phone out and I open up Clock, my C Lock app, and and I start the timer after I get the quartz red hot and thirty five seconds. Amazing dabs. Boy, so. thank God for my Galaxy Note or my dabbing career. Right? Uh, I know. <laughs> I have this Asus Qi 2, and I'm just, like, setting it up as a giant stopwatch. <laughs> tripod for it. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we're on Stitcher. Check us out on iTunes. We have Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Plus, everywhere that everyone else is. So uh, we'll catch you online. Thanks for listening. If you like you weed, like this weed, is where, this is where you, you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be.